Matthew chapter 6, if you're not already there, that's where we're headed. Verses 19 to 24, we are just continuing on in our Sermon on the Mount series. Next week we get to uh, lean into something that I think is going to really speak to all of us in this idea of anxiety, but this week we get to talk about where we put our money, where we treasure, what we treasure, and how we treasure certain things. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, there is though a very interesting and often mistaken statement found in the last three weeks worth of sermons that we find. If you look back at verses 4, 6, and 18, you're looking at me, you're not looking at your Bible, look back at verses 4, 6, and 18 if you would, you're going to see this statement in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus makes and he says this, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You see that, those, that phrase? And that phrase is written down in each of those different passages that we talked through la, uh, the last few weeks, whether it was giving to the needy or the Lord's Prayer or fasting, whatever it was and whatever it looked like. Your Father who sees what is done in the secret places will reward you. Now, if we're honest, uh, most of us do what we do for this purpose, for the promise of reward. Is that a fair statement? Most of us do what we do for the promise of reward. I don't know any children that do their chores simply for the sheer joy of doing chores. Do you? Okay. They do their chores for one reason only, and what is it? Because they're told to. <laughs> Fair. But they do their chores for one reason only, and that is to gain something in return, right? To gain this allowance. I will do my chores to get an allowance, right? Even us, we go to our jobs <laughs> in many reasons for the promise of reward, i.e. a paycheck, right? This is why we do what we do, the promise of some type of reward. We had the opportunity, Monica and I, uh, not this last week, but two weeks ago, we, were, we had the opportunity to take our kids uh, on vacation to Colorado, and we did a boatload of hiking right? Uh, and this is kind of what we do as a family. We're outside a lot of times. This is what we do. So we did a lot of hiking, not just myself, not just myself and Monica, not just myself, Monica, and Jonas, the 12-year-old, but myself, Monica, Jonas, and Caroline, the 7-year-old. Uh, we hiked uh, about 30 miles over a span of three days. Like I said, Caroline hiked about 30 miles over the span of three days. Incredibly impressed, but I will tell you that the only way, the only way that we got her through 30 miles worth of hiking trails in the Colorado mountains was this, the promise of reward, okay? I made, uh, we made what, what we called on the trail, what, we, what came to be known on the trail as sugar bags, okay? Ziploc baggies full of gummy bears and licorice. The only way that we got Caroline through 30 miles of trail was with these sugar bags was with the promise of ice cream at the end of the trail, okay? Was with the promise of the swimming pool back at the, at the, lot, at the campground where we stayed. Was with the promise of reward. That is the only way that, that we got Caroline through all these trails. Now, granted, when we got back to the hotel or the campground, uh, the, it was so cold that they rarely wanted to swim anyways, but it was this idea, this promise of reward, if then, this is what got her through, and what's interesting about reward is that reward also means things very differently to people, right? I did not, I had no desire whatsoever for sugar bags on the trail. I just didn't. I had no desire for this. My, my reward was seclusion, 
out on the trail. And adventure, my reward would have been seeing a bear or a rattlesnake out on the trail. That would have been a reward for Matthias. Now, I didn't share that with my wife because the promise of seeing a bear or a rattlesnake with Mo to Monica would have been terrible. We probably would not have hiked at all had I promised her that we were going to see rattlesnakes and bears. And so this idea of reward is very differently as well, right? Either way, though, what's disappointing about reward specifically about the rewards that we saw and were able to grab a hold of in Colorado is this, is that they're all gone now. Every single one of those sugar bags that Caroline consumed was gone in literally a matter of minutes, right? Including the ice cream and the swimming pool, gone in just a matter of minutes. All of these rewards were gone, right? Now, we could argue or we could say, oh, but the memories will last forever. And yes, and absolutely, those things will, right? These, but at the same time, those are also some really intangible things, right? These things will kind of last, right? But I will, I will say even now, and you could say this to be true of yourself, of your last vacation that you even just went on, that you've forgotten that certain things existed and happened, right? You have already forgotten certain things and how certain things went, and you, as you, as you kind of talk about your vacation with your wife or your kids, you remember things differently, right? So even, even in all of this stuff, it, it all, it's all just fleeting. Solomon uses this word to describe these fleeting moments or these fleeting pleasures. Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uses the word vanity. Listen, and he uses this word over 30 times throughout his book. Okay? Now, if you know anything about Solomon and his, uh, what he was able to do, Solomon uh, had a lot of money and could do a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, Solomon could basically do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, however he wanted to do it, uh, with however much, uh, whatever, I mean, just, he could do whatever he wanted, with whatever flamboyance he wanted to do it, right? And he looked at all of these things, everything that he, that he attained, everything that he did, and he looked at it and he said, you know what, all of this stuff that I've been able to do, all of this stuff I've been able to accumulate, it's all vanity. It's all just going to go away. What's the point of all of my stuff? What's the point of all of this stuff? It's just vanity. And so we continue in today's text, and we're reminded of our reward, but we're reminded even more so of a reward that we do not yet attain and yet strive for or are told or commanded to strive for all the more. So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24 is where we're going to kind of camp today. Walk through it, work through it. We're going to read through it, pray like we always do, and then we'll work through this text, all right? So, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 is where we'll start. Jesus is teaching, as we know, and this is what he says, on the heels of talking about giving to the needy, talking about praying and talking about fasting, here's what Jesus says. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Many ways, the crux of the statement Jesus teaching right here. Look at, back at it again, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. 
No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father, this morning, uh, we pray that your spirit would be upon our hearts and our minds. God, I know that uh, your word uh, hits each of us differently, and that's such a good thing, Father. We, we glorify in that. Um, we're glad in that, Father. And I know, even already this morning, that this text um, challenges some of us uh, in great ways and challenges others of us in, in smaller ways, Father. And so I pray, no matter in either way, God, that your word would change our hearts and minds towards you in great ways. Father, we all need to be changed and, and strive to be changed by your word, and so I pray that you would do that, Father. In the power of your spirit, change our hearts and minds towards you and towards one another. Father, help us to save up and treasure up reward, but rightly, Father. God, help us to do this. Father, I, I say so clearly to you, this morning as well, that I need you. I need your help to relay your truth and your words the way that you desire them to be relayed this morning, Father. So be upon my heart and my mind and my mouth this morning, I pray. We love you. Amen. So as we dig into this, look at verse 19 and 20 to start. We'll see what we will call a direct command followed immediately by a corrective command. So something that Jesus says to do, okay, or not to do, a direct command, and then a corrective command, okay? Here's, what, here, here's this command, now here's how to correct it. Look at what he says in verse 19, okay? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Do not do this. Do not do what? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Here's this direct command that Jesus lays out for us. And what is the, the thing that he corrects is this, right, right after that in verse 20, the corrective command follows, but instead lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say just do what, what, what I tell you to do just because I tell you to do it. No, there is going to be reward, but it's not this earth-bound, fleeting, vain award that we so seek after. There's this treasure in heaven that we're supposed to be longing towards and longing for. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we're going to ask the question, what, in order to have a healthy understanding here, what is treasure? What does this mean? What is treasure? We'll make it really simply, uh, because I think Jesus means it really simply. Treasure is very simply this. It's any possession that we stake up in our lives as most precious to us. Okay? Any possession that we stake up in our lives as most precious to us. This is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about treasure here. It's any possession that we seek after more than the Lord. Okay? It's any possession that we place more value upon than the Lord. This is what he's talking about here when he talks about treasure. And you might be looking at this idea then and saying, well, Matthias, uh, that's easy. I don't seek any possession more than the Lord, right? Well, it, if that was true, then Jesus wouldn't have to say the words that he's saying here in Matthew chapter 6, okay? We, we do this. I do this. You, you do this, okay? This is what we do as, as people, 
I, tre- I treasure earthbound, vain idols. I do, I do this. I treasure these things. I treasure things that moth and rust destroy and thieves steal. You do this. You treasure earthbound, vain idols which moth and rust destroy and which thieves steal. You do this, right? It's been said that you can look at your last month's bank statements and see what your treasure is by what you spend your money on, right? Uh, if I was to do that based on this last month, then my treasure uh, is, is food, <laughs> It is ridiculous the exorbitant amount of money that I spend on food, right? This vain thing that passes quickly. We'll leave it at that. It is ridiculous, though, the amount of money that we spend on things, the amount of things that we treasure that are earthbound, vain. Now, this begs the question as well, though, at the same time, does this mean that certain things are bad, right? Does this mean, is Jesus teaching here that hobbies are bad and that I can't have a hobby and spend my money on a hobby? Does this mean that I must drive a rotten, plagued vehicle? Does this mean that it's sinful to update and remodel my home? Does this mean that that it's pagan to care well for the things that are in my possession, even to pass them down as types of family heirlooms? Does this mean, is this what Jesus is teaching, that anything like this is is vain and pagan and sinful? No, that's, that's not what he's teaching at all. But when these things become my financial focus and the joy of my heart, then I do become idolatrous and my heart is bound to what James calls mist and vapor. This is what my heart becomes bound to. Timothy Keller wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. Tim Keller's a pastor over in, uh, up in New York. If you've not read this book, I would suggest it to you if you're interested in this idea of how you are idolatrous. I know it's a very intriguing idea to all of us, right? We all want to be uh, convicted of how we're idolaters. So I suggest the book to you. But here's what he says, okay? He says this in his book. He says, God was saying that the human heart takes good things like a successful career, like love, like material possessions, even family. And the human heart turns these things into ultimate things. Our hearts deify them as the center of our lives because we think that those things can give us significance, security, safety, and fulfillment if we would but and just attain them. That's what these things do. We have convinced ourselves of this lie that these things, that we deify these, these things, that these things can bring us success, fulfillment, satisfaction. When again... You can go back to Solomon, just read through Ecclesiastes. Man, he talks all about this. We're going to read some text in Ecclesiastes here in a little bit. But look back at verse 21 now. Verse 21, he kind of gives us some insight. Jesus does. Jesus gives us a little bit of insight on why this idea, why this is so important. Look at verse 21. Okay? He says, again, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Basically, what Jesus is saying is simply this. He says, if your treasure is on earth, then your heart will be bound to earth. But if your treasure is in heaven, then your heart will be bound in heaven. 
This is where I, I this, this is where and what I will and do most desire. If my treasure in, uh, is on earth, then I don't want to leave it, and, 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 and I will attempt to keep it with great strain, won't I? But if, my, but if my treasure is in heaven, then I look forward to it and strive for it with great anticipation as well. Like Nate said last week, sometimes sections of Scripture seem a bit out of place and confusing, right? Uh, and often they get skipped. And verses 22 and 23 are, are very similar to that. They, we look at verses 22 and 23 here, and we think maybe that Jesus had a type of ADD moment where he chased a bit of a rabbit trail. However, that is not the case with verses 22 and 23, okay? 20, 22 and 23 are very important within this context, okay? Look at verses 22 and 23 as Jesus continues to teach here. Here's what he says. He paints a bit of a picture about the depression and depravity of idolatry. Look at 22 and 3. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now let's read it again. Let me, I'm going to change the words just a little bit to help us have a better or greater understanding of maybe what Jesus is really teaching here, okay? Look back at it again. He says this, The eye is the light of the body. And Jesus has taught these things other, other places throughout the Gospels as well. The eye, he says, is the light of the body. So if your eyes are focused on eternal things, things that are above, so if your eyes are focused on eternal things, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are focused on temporal things, things bound to earth, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is temporal, if the light in you is bound to earth, oh, how great the depression, Jesus says. How great the depression if the only thing that you strain for is bound to this earth. Solomon says the same thing again. We've talked a lot about Ecclesiastes. Turn, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. You flip to the left a little bit, you'll hit Psalms, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I'll give you a second to get there because I want you to read this with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. A little bit longer, but we're going to read verses 1 through 11 this morning. It's not going to be on the screen, so either listen along or read along with me. It says this, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. If you have a, a header there above chapter 2, it might say something like, The vanity of self-indulgence. It says this, I said, Solomon, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself, but behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched my heart with how to cheer my body with wine, my heart was guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks, and I planted them in them all kinds of fruit trees, he says. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before in Jerusalem. 
I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of all the kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great, and I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem, Solomon says. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And, wherever my eye, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept, all, I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toils, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I expended doing it. And behold, all of this was vanity and striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Do you see what Solomon says? Hey, all of this stuff, all of this temporal, earthly treasure that we strive to attain and gain and hold on to and save up for and even pass down, it's but, it's but vanity, he says. All these earth-bound temporal possessions, Solomon says, that bring us fleeting pleasures, they're vain endeavors to place our hope in. So when it all comes down, look at verse 24. When it all comes down to it, this is what Jesus says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You can't, it's, you can't do it. No one can serve two masters, for he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, this is the words of Jesus, church, you cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible Jesus says we can't do it. So here's a question. Maybe a question to begin to leave you with this morning. Who is your treasure? Notice also that I said who, not what. Who is it that you treasure this morning? You cannot serve both God and money, Jesus says. There was a man who came to Jesus asking this question, what must I do to be saved? Do you remember this in Mark 10? What must I do to be saved, this man says to Jesus. And Jesus says, follow the commands. Follow the commands. You know these things. Love the Lord and be consumed. Be consumed with only Him. You remember what this arrogant young man says? Did it. Did it. Done it. Every day of my life, Jesus. Been there, done that. But there's something, there's something, there's just something I feel that I need. What do I need to do to be saved, Jesus? So Jesus looks at him, this arrogant, rich, young man, and says this, go and take all the stuff that you have. Sell all your possessions. Take everything that you have. Sell it all. Give it all to the poor. You remember this story, Mark 10? The rich young ruler, this rich young arrogant man, goes away how? Sad. He goes away with this pit in his belly, this disheartened, sorrow-filled emotion because he was a man of great wealth. You cannot serve both God and money. This is what Jesus tells us here in this text. Who is your treasure? Here's some questions maybe to ponder this week. Some questions to ponder. I don't remember if these are on the screen, but maybe not. But here's the first question. 
What is it on earth that you treasure? Okay? What is it on earth that you treasure? And just be honest with yourself. Okay? I, I treasure my family. That's not a bad thing. You can write that down. Okay? Jesus says to love these folks that are under our care. I treasure my family. I treasure the church. Okay? I treasure certain abilities that, that God has granted and gifted. Right? You should do these things as well. Right? The, we, we have this ability to, to take heart in and take joy in some of the possessions God has given us. But what is it, what is it that you treasure? But here's the second question. Of those things, are those things idols in your life? What is it that you treasure? And are those things idols in your life? Here's how you know if they are, right? Again, this can, goes back to Tim Keller's Counterfeit Gods book. Here's how you know if they are, tre- or, or are idols in your life. If, if this thing was stripped from your life, would you still love and serve the Lord? Or, or maybe I should ask it like this. When this thing is stripped from your life, would you still love and serve the Lord? If my family got stripped from me, would I lose my identity in Christ? If my ability to go out and hike 30 miles in three days got stripped from me, would Would I lose my identity in Christ? Might I be becoming idolatrous with even good things? What on earth is your treasure? Are those things idols? Here's here's another one. What is it in heaven that you treasure? Now we have to think a little bit more, don't we? What is it in heaven that you treasure? Do eternal things capture your mind's attention and heart's affection? When you think about that question, does your heart start beating a little bit faster? Hey, I've got this treasure in heaven that I cannot wait to see and lay hands on. I've got this treasure that is eternal waiting for me in heaven that I cannot wait to enjoy. Does your heart beat as fast for that as it does for any other temporal possession that you can attain or lay hands on today? So here's maybe some obedience steps, some things that we do in light of that we need to actively engage with today in light of this text. Here's the first one. Treasure kingdom things. Treasure the things of the kingdom. Here's what that means. It means that we must, as believers in Christ, as Christians, that the things that we treasure are things like mercy. Do you treasure being merciful? Because this is what stores up treasure in heaven. Do you treasure being patient? Treasure the poor. Treasure the least of these. Treasure kingdom things. Jesus makes it incredibly clear throughout his Gospels what kingdom things are. Treasure kingdom things. Here's the second one. Treasure the kingdom. 
Treasure the kingdom where alone and only we will find peace and perfection and presence with God. Treasure God's kingdom. And here's the third one. Treasure your king. Remember the question? Who is your treasure? Treasure the king who alone is worthy and holy. Who alone is holy and worthy of all praise because he alone, Jesus alone, was only the it was the one was the only one born of God the only son of God because Jesus alone and only lived a perfect life because Jesus alone died an atoning death because Jesus alone rose from the dead sealing our inheritance in heaven with him for all eternity because Jesus alone sits at the right hand of God advocating our weakness because Jesus alone is worthy of worship treasure your king today let me pray with you father this morning we admit to you we confess to you that many times and oftentimes we treasure earthbound temporal fleeting vain things god god again not that you have placed these things in our lives as sinful temptations God, you have placed so many things in our lives that are good, that remind us of heaven, that remind us of your loving kindness toward us. But God, forgive us when we and as we place these things as primary, God, as primary idols in our lives. Father, forgive us for when we do that. Forgive me when I do that. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to believe the truth of the gospel more. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to treasure kingdom things more than we treasure temporal things. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to treasure your kingdom more than we treasure the kingdoms of this world. God, I pray that you, that God, help us to, to to long for your kingdom to come. God, to pray, Maranatha, in our lives and in our world, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Father. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to treasure you as our king. God, you who alone are holy and worthy of all praise. You who alone are worthy of worship. Help us, Father, to treasure you this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you continue to do in our lives. We pray these things in your name, the name of Jesus, our Christ and our King. Amen.